Hello and welcome to ED's first mini-podcast covering this year's COP24 conference, rounding up all the key news, views and takeaways from this year's UN Climate Summit. I'm coming to you from the ED offices in East Grinstead, West Sussex, on Tuesday the 4th of December, meaning that the second day of the talks has just come to a close. While me immortals like myself are beginning to think about maybe putting up a Christmas tree, wrapping some presents, buying stamps so we can send our cards, world leaders are busy debating how best to tackle pressing climate challenges. In total, more than 200 policymakers have made their way to Katowice in Poland for this event, where they have been joined by dozens of climate experts as well. The timing of this year's event could arguably not be more fitting in the light of the recent IPCC report on climate change, which has laid bare the damning consequences of a 2C warming trajectory compared to a 1.5C pathway. It's apt then that the key aim of this summit will be beginning the two-year process enabling governments to deliver on their emissions reduction commitments which were made under the Paris Agreement in 2015. One of the key aims of this two-week conference is for the delegates to create a so-called rulebook on the Paris Agreement detailing exactly how much climate funding developed nations and less developed nations should commit and how their funding levels should be adjusted to support progressive emission reductions in the light of new science. Developed countries have already said they want clarity on precisely how much funding they're committing to and how adjustments will work for them. Under an article in the Paris Agreement, Article 9.5, also known as the Predictability Clause, developed nations will be required to review and report on their financial commitments to developing countries every two years. This has sparked a dispute from developed countries, which claim it's a challenge to provide accurate figures when government financial policies may change within the two-year time frame. But these discussions around Paris will come later in the summit. As day two draws to a close, it would be fair to say that the theme of discussion so far has largely been about setting the scene and highlighting the importance of taking ambitious action to tackle climate challenges today. On the first day of the summit, World Bank CEO Kristalina Georgieva warmed up the crowd by warning that we are the last generation that can act on climate change. She delivered a rousing speech detailing the negative impacts so many of us are now likely to be touched by, including droughts, flooding and food scarcity. Continuing in that same vein of thought, Patrick Vakujan, the CEO of the Global Centre on Adaptation, stated that climate extremes are becoming the new normal, with temperatures already up more than one degree from pre-industrial levels. But the speech that has received the most media coverage and one that's probably caught our eye the most in the ED office came from Sir David Attenborough, who told delegates that climate change is now the most pressing issue facing all of humanity and that it is now of such a level that it is set to bring about the collapse of civilization as we know it. To quote from his speech, Attenborough said, The world's people have spoken. Time is running out. They want you, our decision makers, to take action now. Leaders of the world, you must lead now. The continuation of civilizations and the natural world upon which we depend is in your hands. In an unusual move for tabloids, the speech even made the front page of the mirror today, which ran with an aerial shot of the Earth from space and the headline, Time is running out to save planet. 
Now, despite all this talk of the scale of the challenge at hand and concerned about how insurmountable this feat may be, positive announcements are already beginning to emerge at a pace from the conference. So during our podcast, Edie's editorial team will be playing a game of good cop, bad cop, where we outline a welcome announcement from the summit, the good cop, and a less welcome announcement or undertaking bad cop. Uh, As you can tell, we are absolutely fantastic at puns here. So without further ado, I'm going to move on to today's good cop, which is news that four major banks have pledged to measure the climate-related impacts of their lending portfolios in order to help the companies they invest in to align their respective sustainability strategies with the aims of the Paris Agreement. The four banks to have signed up are BBVA, BMP Paribas, Standard Chartered and Society Generale, which have followed in the footsteps of ING in committing to align their respective loan books with a 2C trajectory. Now, this is no mean feat, considering that these four banks collectively have loan books covering 2.4 trillion euros worth of assets. Moreover, the letter explains that while alignment with the 2C trajectory will be the initial aim of these four banks, the ultimate goal will be achieving climate neutrality across their portfolios, an aim that has been set on an ongoing basis. The announcement comes in a week of great news for green finance. Similarly, the World Bank is about to launch a £157 billion fund available to projects taking action on climate change. The funding will be distributed between 2021 and 2025, helping countries adapt to the effect of warming and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And then we come to the bad cop. There hasn't actually been much bad or controversial to have emerged so far. Um, So I'd like to focus on something that has happened in the lead up to these first two days. After a string of talks in May between developed and developing nations, the paper detailing different financial commitments was expected to have been produced or at least a negotiating text to be taken to this summit. So in preparation for this week, additional talks were scheduled at the last minute for November. Now, if these hadn't been undertaken, delegates were set to arrive in Katowice without a basis upon which to finalise the Paris Agreement rulebook. Our third and final segment of this miniature podcast will cover the reaction so far and the sessions that lie ahead. So a lot of the reaction we've seen on social media has been heaping praise not only on Attenborough's speech, its rhetoric and the topic, but the coverage in which it has been granted across the UK and European media. Green Party MP Caroline Lucas and Carbon Brief Director Leo Hickman are among the leaders to have praised the speech and the UK media's stance on covering it on Twitter. There's a lot of focus also on the fact that Attenborough has taken up the position of a people's seat at the conference, meaning that he is representing the general public in all the nations taking part. The moves already undertaken by banking and finance giants, as covered in our Good Cop announcement section, has also been showered with support on social media, including from the UN's own Executive Secretary for Climate Change, Patricia Espinosa. Perhaps less predictably, a lot of people are also tweeting their reaction to meeting Arnold Schwarzenegger at the conference. So he is appearing there not as the infamous Terminator actor, but as the former governor of California, which is well known for its leadership position on renewable energy. Looking ahead, 
Tomorrow's sessions will include the publication of a new league table ranking 25 countries which collectively account for 80% of the global population by their decarbonisation efforts. From what we can understand so far, the ranking will take into account things like electric vehicle adoption, fossil fuel phase-outs and renewable energy uptake. More on that in the next edition, so stay tuned on Eri for all the latest news and views from COP24. For now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.